We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. And today we're joined by a return guest. Uh, he's a good friend of the show, uh, Will Kane. He is a current uh, analyst for Fox. He used to be over at ESPN. And uh, Will, uh, I don't know, is, is the Will Kane pod, is that something that's still going? Or is that uh, is that something that, that didn't go with you when you left ESPN? The Will Kane podcast is blowing and going. I would encourage any of your fans, I would hope, if they like what they hear, to go on over there and subscribe rate review come hang out with me on the will kane podcast i do dalton talk politics i do my three big stories three days a week and of those stories at least one is in the world of sports so i am not leaving the world of sports it's still part of the recipe of content that i put together but i'm excited to be doing that politics sports and just hanging out and i'm glad to be hanging out with you guys again it's been too long and I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you said that too because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are just like oh man well he's just he's just full blown politics now and <laughs> not not really getting to talk sports as much but that's good to know that you are still you know you have your own segment doing that and uh, we're glad you get to come on here every now and then and talk Mavs with us too but uh, we'll kind of just bounce this back and forth back and forth between Matt and I you know just kind of talking with you about it but. I guess the first thing is, you know, last night, it was opening night, uh, we did a, a live recap pod on the Fireside app and gave our initial reactions and everything, and now it's the day after, you know, we've had a chance for everything to settle a little bit more, but I mean, what were your initial thoughts based on the high expectations heading into the season? Uh, you don't want to put too much stock into just one game, but it was it was pretty deflating to start a season off with a, with a 26-point loss, so... How are you feeling after that one? And, I mean, how did you feel about the Mavs heading into that game? Were you as high on them as we were? So I feel deflated, Dalton, after that game. But I try to balance that against the fact that, obviously, there's an 82-game schedule with a brand-new coach. And we have to see how these things play out. Let me be an optimist first and then a pessimist. The optimism is it's Jason Kidd's first game. 
it's the first game that Reggie Bullock and a few other guys get to work into the team. And we can't expect game one to look like what we hope it looks like in game 53. And I think that's true in any sport. When you change a coach, when you start a season, even in football now with a 17-game NFL schedule, you know that game one's not going to look like week eight. And so we have to be real fair about that when it comes to the Mavs. On the other hand, I don't know that it's just pessimism. It's realism as well. I didn't go into the season excited. And it's one of the first seasons in, I guess, four years since Luke has been on our team when I didn't see the future as a continual path forward, as a mountain that we're taking another step toward the top. And it's because of a couple of reasons. I'm not that excited about Jason Kidd. And I don't know that obviously any of us are. And last night reinforced some of the concerns we might have had about a stale or gunky offense that once it was taken away from Milwaukee, Milwaukee went on to shine. So I'm worried about that. And also, I think even more than Jason Kidd, I'm just worried about personnel. And I'm excited when I read that Bullock, for example, can play D and he can shoot a three. And that's what we need around Luca. But that's really honestly a small addition on the path to a championship and for the first year I can't look at the roster and go oh yeah I can project four more wins than last year the only way I can do that is by Luca's growth and that's going to continue but we're going to get incrementally smaller returns on that you would think at some point and then the most important thing and that is Porzingis he is the most important thing for any of us to talk about I think when it comes to hoping projecting a rosy future and when I take Porzingis last night and I take kid last night and I take my concerns about the roster and then they're all put up against a team who we're always comparing ourselves against right Trey Young Luka Doncic and I look at their roster set aside Young versus Doncic just look at the Hawks versus the Mavs and it's like all of the things we haven't done sitting there side by side with all the things Atlanta has done and so deflated is how I feel and it's even deflated against lower expectations Matt, uh, I'll ask you this, and then, you know, you can you can carry on with the next topic you were going to bring up. But, you know, we talked a little bit last night about, you know, yeah, the, the Mavs, they, they didn't play well. They only shot like 33% overall from the field, which I, I highly doubt is going to be a nightly occur, occurrence. That seems like something that'll, that'll level out the variance will, uh, you know, over the next couple of games. I do expect them to bounce back tomorrow night against Toronto, uh, but, I mean, it's just – it's very obvious, especially when Luca's off the court <laughs> with what the Hawks have, uh, what they've built around Trey Young versus what the Mavs have built around Luca. And, I mean, I, I'm willing – I said it last night – I'm willing to give new GM Nico Harrison a chance to, you know, properly assess everything. And we've never seen him around the trade deadline or even even before the trade deadline. I mean, this is his first full season as a as a GM and maybe that's uh maybe that's something to be worried about too as Matt has talked about because he's never done this before, but I I'm willing to, you know, give him a little rope to uh, you know, to see what he can do throughout the first part of this season, but uh Matt, you can go on with uh with what you were going to bring up next. Well, going off of what you were just saying, actually, it was my next thing that I wanted to talk to Will about because, you know, you you look at what the Mavericks did this offseason, and we've talked a ton about this already, and people are probably going to be like, oh, no, they're bringing up another bad offseason and bringing up Cuban and all that stuff. But 
when your owner and the real GM, let's be honest, the guy that's making the deals and, and, and making all the decisions, when he is coming out and saying, well, we don't have the same needs that we had last season. We talked a little bit about this last night too, but I want to get Will's take on it. You know, Cubans going into to last season or into the offseason, I should say, Cuban said, hey, we need to find a secondary ball handler and a secondary scorer so that when Luke is on the bench, we can still run our offense and still be efficient and do all those things that we like to do. And then Rick Carlisle left, Donnie left. They brought in Jason Kidd and Nico, and all of a sudden those needs change. I don't understand how that works because last night it looked as though that was exactly what they needed. There was other things that went wrong too. They weren't hitting open shots. There was some other things that were, you know, awry, obviously, but at the core of their issues is still the same thing. So I'm wondering, Will, what your take on that is and how, is there any way that they can fix it? So my suspicion, Matt, is the answer to your question is Nico Harrison. I don't think they changed philosophy. I don't think they hired these new guys and they convinced Mark, no, you don't need a secondary ball handler. I think they struck out again, which is the story of the Mavs in free agency. They've just struck out year after year in finding what it is they need. And so the whole point of hiring Nico Harrison was, of course, he's got this sterling reputation that everybody in the NBA would love to have inside their front office, but largely built upon the fact he's got all these relationships with these players and he's helped them build brands and they're going to want to work with him. And I agree with Dalton. I'm not, I don't think we should be passing judgment. You know, he's been in the job for what, less than six months, but that's going to be the story. That's the story. Can you do what the Mavs have been unable to do throughout history? Can you bring in through free agency or I guess trade the thing that we acknowledge that we all need? And that takes me back and we're having a conversation here, the three of us. So that takes me back to what I think is the most important topic when it comes to the Mavs and it's Porzingis. I just think the Mavs future right now begins and ends with Porzingis. He's everything. He either is going to be the guy that we traded for and he's this unicorn and a secondary star and we have what we need, or he isn't, which all evidence points to that. And how do we use that in some way to acquire a player who is? And it's sad because his trade value isn't going to be enough to bring in a player that we need. We need so much to, to make this team what Luka Doncic can do with this team. We know that, I think I know that, and I think you know, guys believe that, Luka is a championship-winning level performer. He's the best player on a championship-level team but they haven't built anything around him to make it so. So, you know, if I'm sitting here today as a fan, I'm either going, I need to see Jason Kidd figure out a way to unlock Porzingis. I, that would be my job. What Luca's going to be Luca. okay? Is there anything I can do to turn Porzingis into a viable secondary star, an all-star? Can I turn Porzingis into a, a marginal all-star? And well, if not, what can I turn him into, if not? I think the first step towards that happening – is probably not starting Dwight Powell at center. Probably. <laughs> we, probably. We, we, we talked about this uh, in the past, but it's like I, I don't know what Dwight Powell has over, over the, uh, the organization. I don't know how he's, he's continuously uh, getting to start at that spot. I mean, he's, he's, a hard, he's one of the hardest workers in the league, and he's a great guy, and we all know that. But as soon as it was announced that he was going to start, 
and then KP was going to be at the four, I was just like, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, because, you know, it didn't work last year. Uh, I didn't expect it to work again this year. Uh, and it's only one game, but, I mean, still, I, I think you're, the best way you can utilize KP, especially if he's moving like he – you know, he was moving better on defense last night, in my opinion, just individually – than what he did last year. So if he's going to be able to move around a little bit more like that, then you can play him at the five. And I think that's where that's where he, he will be utilized the best, you know, this season. They need to make that change. They need to uh, – I don't care if they stay big and, and put Maxi Kleba at the four next to him or if they go smaller and put Reggie Bullock at the three and Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, you know, something like that. But I, I do think they have to put KP at the five. It's just – it's a spacing issue. You know, it, uh-huh. there, were, there were times where Luca was driving into the paint last night and there were three or four guys, you know, just within an arm's length around him. That's just not going to cut it. Uh, they, they've got to space it out. Uh, I know Jason Kidd, he wants to, you know, feed KP in the post more and, uh, you know, do stuff like that. But to a certain extent, you don't want to make your entire offensive identity around that because it's going to be clunky and it's going to be more of what we saw last night. So I think that that's the biggest that's the biggest adjustment that needs to be made for the team overall and for KP individually. What do you think, Matt? Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. Spacing in the you know modern day NBA is what it's all about, right? It's about spacing and 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 tempo and shooting threes and and uh, and getting good shots. And they they weren't able to do that last night. And to my knowledge, the point of bringing in Jason Kidd was to be a more modern NBA team and to get a new new blood and and get a new system in place that would, um, you know, accentuate the strengths of the Mavs. And last night was just the same thing that we saw last year in terms of the offense. There, except it was a little bit more unorganized, and I, I don't understand how Jason Kidd can just trot out these same lineups that Rick Carlisle was trotting out last year. And yeah, the Mavs, they've had success in, in the last couple of years and being a very efficient offense, but that was when they had Seth Curry and they don't have that anymore. The thing, the thing with me and we'll bounce it back over to you, Will, but the, you know, the thing with me, if you're going to change the way you played the last couple of years on offense and you are going to, you know, go more post-ups, less threes and all that, I mean, what's the point of adding guys like Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown who, you know, that's, they're supposedly three and D guys and that's where they excel. So why are, why is the offense changing and going to take away from what they do best and how they could best help the team? You know, it's, it's not just a KP thing. It's like, it's the rest of the roster too. You know, it, since they were unable to get that uh, second secondary bona fide star slash distributor, and Kyle Lowry, you know, you still have the same issues that you had the last two seasons, and so therefore you're still going to have to probably play the same way you did uh, to be as successful as you were. So that's the thing. If they if they don't go out and you know end up trading for Goran Dragic or getting him on a buyout, which we all thought was going to happen during the off season and didn't. Uh, you know, some kind of move like that just to take some pressure off of Luca because I love Jalen Brunson. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a really big uh, key for this team this year coming off the bench. But he's just not – he's not a, 
a big volume distributor. You know, he'll have a good pass every now and then. And, but, you know, he's more of just a guy that's going to average three, maybe four assists per game when they really need somebody who, who can do a little bit more than what Jalen Brunson can do. Uh, assuming he doesn't develop into that over the course of this season. What do you think, Will? You asked me at the top of the conversation, you know, what were my feelings this morning? Am I discouraged? Am I deflated? What were my expectations? Let's put it this way. I've already looked at 2022 NBA free agents. I've already been looking (laughs) to who can we bring in. And you bring up Dragic, and I don't know what's happened, but that's really seemingly, I don't know, the only hope for – a mid-season acquisition. Um, I think either as a mid-season acquisition, here's a thought, as either a mid-season acquisition or as a free agent in the offseason, Mark Cuban may have dedicated himself to such stringent COVID protocols and vaccine requirements that Kyrie Irving's not an option because there's a secondary ball handler, but you you would think you could come to Texas and play, um, but not under Mark Cuban. So I don't know. Bradley Beal, you know, I don't know what the offseason holds, but this takes us back to Nico Harrison, either midseason or offseason. We got to find something else because getting getting Porzingis optimized is probably as your third best player, right? Is probably as the third element on a championship team while we're missing the second. Well, and I I want to touch on the Kyrie stuff too. You know, I was kind of iffy on that as well when when Cuban made those remarks. But then I saw somewhere where he clarified and he said he wasn't he wasn't uh, considering the players on the team as his employees when he made that statement, and that would explain <laughs> why, that would well, explain, uh, that would explain why Trey Burke is playing minutes. <laughs> Like you're you're if you're cutting the guy a check, he's your employee. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, I know, but you know, he said that, and then yet you have Trey Burke who is not vaccinated, and yet he's still playing minutes. So, <laughs> I mean, so Mark, so Mark is going to make sure that everybody in the stands and everybody working in the mail room is vaccinated. But and I guess this is human nature. If you can get him. 20 uh, points and 10 assists, then of course you can skirt the rules. And if, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's, that's practical human nature. But Trey Burke can't get him 20 points and 10 assists. <laughs> hey, if we, were, if we were back in the Orlando bubble, he might. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I mean, I, Kyrie Irving, he is, uh, if it was just that one issue, you know, it, it might be like, okay, you can kind of talk yourself into it. But it seems like it's just like one thing after the other with Kyrie Irving every single year. And I don't know. I, I don't think Brooklyn will, will end up trading him I, unless it just gets to a point where he's just absolutely going to miss the whole season and they're not going to extend him and want to just get something for nothing. But uh, I'm, with, I'm with you that, you know, the Goran Dragic thing, that seems to be the best case scenario for, for a midseason acquisition. And, I mean, honestly, the way the Mavs have, have gone in free agency over the years, that might be the best case scenario. <laughs> well, on that, note, on that note, can I play a game with you guys? And I have plenty of opportunities to talk politics, so I'm not going to do it here with you guys. But you're exactly right about Kyrie. This isn't the one issue with Kyrie. It's always something with Kyrie. But we can't, we can't deny the basketball player that is Kyrie Irving. So it's a balancing act. If I take on Kyrie, what do I get? And from a basketball perspective, you get almost exactly what you need with Luka. But would you 
considering all of those things that give you concerns, Dalton, and this is for both of you, uh, Matt, if you're playing the game, you're not passing on Kyrie, right? Because of all those issues. Cause we are beggars. We're not choosers in Dallas when it comes to player acquisition, even I, me and even me who I have, I, I, I have criticized Kyrie so thoroughly throughout my career for his off the court stuff. And now, by the way, for what it's worth, complimented him for his stand today, whether or not you hate it or like it, it's something that I consider a principled stand versus the one that Cuban is staking. But that being said, even I, who have criticized him so thoroughly, I take Kyrie in a heartbeat on the Mavs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I go first. (laughs) Yeah, go go ahead, Matt. Uh, So I... I've struggled with this last couple of days or not really last couple of weeks, ever since all this stuff started and the whole, I I saw Nick Wright came on uh, whichever show he was on and said he was the perfect fit for the Mavs. And I saw people kind of tear him apart for it, but I kind of agree. I, I, I would trade KP for him because I don't think KP is going to be what they need him to be. And KP is already such a distraction with all the stuff that's been going on with his injuries and the, the other stuff that's happened off the court and the, the drama with the him and Luca supposedly not liking each other, but Oh wait, they're best friends or whatever. Like it, it, at a certain point, you kind of have to just be like, okay, why don't we trade a distraction that doesn't produce well enough for us for a distraction that will produce well enough for us, even though they both kind of have their own injury issues. I do think that that trade would work. It would be painful to, to have to 
sit there in a press conference and listen to him talk about the world being flat. <laughs> but like on the court, it would work. So yeah, I, I, I kind of, I think I would do it. Yeah. I mean, as a basketball fit, I mean, it's just like, it's a no brainer. Cause like Will said, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. You know, I, I would take, I would take Kyrie the basketball player in a heartbeat. Uh, and especially uh, the morning after, KP went for 11 points on like three of 14 shooting or something like that in the season opener after having a fully healthy off season. Uh, so, you know, I'm, <laughs> well, I was, let me ask you this. Let me play the game. So let's say it's not a midseason acquisition. Let's say it's not a trade and I'm not as up to date on the Mavs free agency situation and meaning their cap situation, but I do think they have some room going into 2022 and I'll defer to you guys on if I'm playing an impossible game, but I'm just looking at, uh, player option so option to be an unrestricted free agent and you've got I think we would all take Beal probably first um, I think Beal would be a nice fit but then you've got these point guards that are ball dominant like Kyrie and Westbrook and John Wall and if we played Kyrie versus Westbrook or Kyrie versus John Wall where would you go on those three and I'm leaving Harden out who also has a player option but I think we'd also all take Harden although that would be a fascinating fit next to Luca, But I think we'd all take Harden over those three and, and Beal over all of them. Unless my assumptions are wrong, I'd be curious where you guys are on those comparisons. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I don't think it's really even close. You would take Kyrie over Westbrook or, or John Wall. I think both of those guys are very firmly on the downslope. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I'm, I'm not – Dalton is more up to date on the Mavs books in 2022 than I, than I am. Like, I, I, I don't know the exact number. I don't think, but, I don't think the Mavs are going to have any like significant room until the, the KP deal is up because Luca's super max is going to go into effect after this season. And they're pretty much going to be in the luxury tax. So, but really the only way they'll have any any opportunity to do something splashy this this next summer is if they you know make a big trade for cap and make some cap space which has not gone well for them in the past when they've done that you know I I think we can all agree that Harrison Barnes even with his you know uh, even with his warts so to speak on the offensive end at times I think we can all agree that we would have rather uh, kept him at the price that he's at now versus, you know, ending up with uh, James Johnson or DeLon Wright, you know, some of those, some of those acquisitions. So. Uh, but what if they did a sign and trade is my thing. Yeah. Sign we, and we, trade. Know, we know, we know cap space is overrated Dalton. We've been talking about that for two years. Exactly. Yeah. A sign and trade would definitely work. So, I mean, if you get a yes from a player, that which is the most important thing when it comes to NBA free agency, you have to get a, a guy to commit first, you know, uh, teams can move mountains to make it work. We saw that with Jimmy Butler going from Philadelphia to Miami, Miami was capped out and it didn't matter. He wanted to go to Miami they made it work. <laughs> so, it, as, well, we say, as we say, Will, cap space is a myth. You know, I don't mean to introduce a mythical conversation, although this is probably the most fun part of, of basketball conversation, NBA conversation, until the playoffs start anyway, talking about player acquisition and matching players up. So I don't mean to introduce a, a mythical conversation, but I also think it's a reflection of something else. And that is, I think we all – already without being pessimists see a ceiling on the 
on the personnel that we have in the house. And that takes me back to where I started with, with Porzingis. Unless Porzingis can become what we thought he would be, the ceiling on this team is a little bit, I'm going to use your word, Dalton, and not mine. I don't want to say depressing. I'll say deflating. The ceiling feels deflating. And until you can bring somebody else in house, and maybe it's not mythical, maybe, I don't know, Zach Levine, he may max out. I don't know what he will get, but it will be huge probably. Um, I don't know where we turn at this point to start building a championship roster around Luka. Well, Will, I get a lot of flack from people because I tend to look too far into the future. And, uh, you know, instead of next summer, I tend to look at the summer after that. And people are just like, oh, man, well, it's two years in advance. Why would you do that? And given, you know, it blew up in my face with the honest stuff. But my next, <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my next big pipe dream, as we like to call it, is Nikola Jokic because he will be an unrestricted free agent in 2023 and i believe that's right around when kp's deal is going to be uh expiring as well so and he's we talk about this with our guy mike fisher when he comes on all the time we can talk about nico harrison and jason kidd and how good they are with players and relationships and all that but when it comes down to it it's the relationships between the players that matter you know who who is going to be buddy buddy with luca and want to come play with Luca. That's going to be the biggest thing because that that's the reason Kyle Lowry went to Miami. He's such good friends with Jimmy Butler and you know he's the god godfather to his uh daughter uh which I learned after the fact and I was like, "Man, I wouldn't have even wasted all that time <laughs> talking about Kyle Lowry if I had known that." But uh, <laughs> you look at how Luca and Nikola Jokic get along. They're always rubbing shoulders at the All-Star games and uh, you know, even in the bubble, they were hanging out and they, they just genuinely seem to enjoy each other's company. And so if I'm looking into the, the near future and thinking, OK, well, who is a true second star or a co-star, equal star uh, who could you know, potentially leave and come to Dallas? I think Nikola Jokic is probably uh, the more realistic option given his relationship with Luca, Am I far off there? Well, no, I, I think you're, you're right. I think everything you said is right about player relationships and, you know, we're Mavs fans. I think we've lived this story before. I don't think anybody disliked Dirk, but I definitely don't think he was anybody's best friend either in bringing, in bringing another star to Dallas for all of those years. You know, it's the same thing we dealt with. When are we going to be able to get a, another guy next to Dirk and free agency and the European guys, I guess, have some distance between the American guys when it comes to those type of type relationships. So it's logical to look at another European guy that they make friends during the all-star game or wherever it is, they get to know each other as, as your potential salvation, but count me among the people that don't want to have to wait to 2023. Well, here, here's my question. And, you know, we talk about these relationships and all those things and, the Mavs struggling in free agency in the last couple of years to land a big guy, and they struggled in the dark years to land a big guy and all that stuff. At the end of the day, there's one common denominator in all of these teams, and it's Mark Cuban. I agree. I agree. Dude, yeah, I mean, it... Maybe people just don't want to play for Mark. Well, that's that's fascinating. You know, let's talk about Mark for just a minute. So. Mark satisfies 
I have one main requirement of an owner, and that is, do you give a damn? And are you there to actually try to win a championship, which is not a granted. Don't, don't take that for granted that your owner is that kind of guy in Dallas. We have at least two in Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban. I do think Mark is all in on trying and wanting and willing to invest in, in winning a championship. So from the beginning, I liked that. I liked his energy behind it. I mean, I'll be real with you. I mean, look, anybody listening, I don't hide my politics. I'm not going to force them into sports. Mark makes me mad all the time on Twitter, all the time, <laughs> like on things that I, I, I disagree with. But the, the, the personality trait, and I would love to talk to Mark. And I mean, we know of each other. We haven't, we haven't got a chance to ever have a back and forth. But the personality trait of Mark that I would be curious, how does it play with players or people that work for him is it just seems to be a lot of obstinance. Like when he believes he's right on something, there's just, he will engage, but I don't get the, and you can make the same criticism of me. So I'm going to be real. Like, are you really persuadable? Are you really open? Yeah, you engage. And the point of that is, is Mark somebody that guys want to gravitate towards? And I don't know the answer to that. Or in fact, the opposite. Do they run away from, you know, he's got a big personality. And so when you have a big personality, people react to it. I know that personally. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much it, it plays into uh, we've, we've talked about it in the past comments that, that Mark has made and especially about like, you know, AAU basketball versus, you know, guys overseas, how they, how they learn the game and uh, just stuff like that. And then you, you see Bradley Beal in Washington and he's like the, the head of a big AAU program there and takes all that, all that real seriously. And uh, we've thought about it before, like, man, ha I wonder if like just behind closed doors, some of these guys just remember some of those things that he said in the past. And, you know, he's real sociable and real nice and uh, in person and everything. But I mean, uh, you just, ha you, you have to wonder if some of the unforced mistakes that he's made in the past with uh, saying, telling stuff to the media, if that might be a block. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that, you know, if they can't get it done with a brand new regime, uh, at least, you know, in the next year or so, couple of years, then I think everybody's going to come to the realization that, okay, well, the problem isn't the, <laughs> isn't the actual uh, people. It's going to be the guy at the top of the food chain. Matt, you're the one that, that brings it up. Are you just noticing a common denominator or do you, do you think Mark's the problem? Well, I, I thought he was the problem for a long time. I don't think it's any secret that he doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. And I, I think that I think Dalton's right. Like the thing with with AAU and Bradley Beal, like I, I think that's going to affect the Mavs negatively if they ever get a, another chance to pursue him. I don't think that he thinks about what he says all the time before he says it. And it can have negative repercussions. I mean, he, the, the stuff he said about Russell Westbrook, like, why would you say something like that to somebody like Russell Westbrook? Man, I forgot right. about that. I'm, I did too. Like, I did what, too. <laughs> what what purpose does that serve other than to piss him off and make him come after you even that much harder? For, for and for a guy with his with Russell Westbrook's mentality, that's just a death sentence. Especially back yeah. then when he was actually a good player. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I just I don't think that it's a secret that people are rubbed the wrong way by Mark, and that's you know that's gonna affect the Mavs for a long time. 
Well, look, Will, this is going to be the last thing, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, just going forward, I know, like we said, it wasn't the way we wanted the Mavs to start out the season with a 26-point loss at Atlanta on opening night. But, I mean, how do you think they'll rebound against Toronto? And, I mean, what, what's your overall expectation for this particular team the rest of the year if they don't make any other moves? They'll rebound. I don't know if it'll be as quickly as against Toronto, but they'll rebound. They'll rebound soon. They're going to be way better than what we saw against the Hawks. I would suspect high 40s, um, high 40s for a win total. I don't know that I can go into the low 50s, maybe, maybe 50, 51 wins, but probably more like 48, 49 type win season, probably like last year, first round exit in the playoffs. Um, and I think it's going to be that way until we can find something because I don't know how much more you can ask of Luca's growth. So you know, it's funny. We didn't even talk that much about Luca because now he's become a given. And I don't know what this team can do until you give him more to do with it. And I'll leave you with this as we go as well. This is how much though I love Luca and believe in him. Maybe this is an obvious statement. I'd be curious where you guys are. I wouldn't trade the entire Mavericks roster for the entire Hawks roster right now. I would still take the Mavs roster from start to finish from one through 12. And I would take the Hawks. And that's just simply because of the existence of Luka Doncic. I mean, after one, you know, two through two through 12, (laughs) the Hawks are going to win every one of those, but the power of the number one is still that important to me. So, um, that's a reflection of Luca, and it's also a reflection on the rest of the roster. Yeah, I, I, uh, I totally agree. I won't harp on it a lot, but I think Will is absolutely right. Once you get past Luca, there, it Luca's Luca is is it. He is he is what you need to win a title. It's just up to them to go build. If they had a roster like the Hawks, with Luka, oh boy, oh boy, they would be the number one team in the West. And that's what everybody's scared about, too. You know, I've, I've seen comparisons to this. I think it was earlier uh, in the summer. But, you know, they, they compared this version of Luca with this roster to the early LeBron James Cleveland days. And, you know, obviously this team is going to have to do a lot better to be, like, to be like that last or one of the earliest teams where they actually made it to the NBA Finals. I, I think the Cavs made it to the Finals in LeBron's fourth year. Uh, and they won a bunch of games. But, you know, it was kind of the same thing. You had LeBron, and then you just had a bunch of, you know, meh players around him that uh, that he was able to drag to the NBA Finals, and uh, it eventually led to him leaving and, you know, wanting to get more help. Now, I don't know if Luka is that same personality. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's, you know, going to look to leave until he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. He seems like a pretty loyal dude. But – uh, you know, it's something we definitely don't need to take for granted <laughs> because he is one of the best players in the league. And uh, he's been a top five guy the last two years. And I think he'll continue that this year. And um, he's going to carve out a very historic career for himself. So, well, Will, look, we appreciate it, man. Uh, it's been way too long since we've done this. We'll have to do it again sometime. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us and, Let's hope the Mavs rebound against Toronto tomorrow. Awesome. Good to talk to you guys again. Let's talk throughout the season. Sounds good, man. We appreciate it. You have a great rest of your weekend. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Will. All right, fellas.
See ya. All right, guys, that's going to do it for another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, you can find myself on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trig. You can find Matt at Matt underscore Galatson on Twitter. Be sure to follow us for all of our in-season content. We've got a lot of takes that's going to be flying. Uh, if you want a chance at winning a Mavs Step Back t-shirt, uh, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We give a, give out probably a couple of those every week or so. Uh, and all you got to do is just add your Twitter ad or some kind of social media way of us getting in contact with you. So be sure to do that. We appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your weekend. Let me step back for a minute. 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 Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.